When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome to episode 330 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and he's Emil Evanesian. How's it going, Emil? I guess I'm saying beyond the Valencia 4-1 victory. How are you doing? I'm well, thanks. Uh, you know, just I'm enjoying enjoying Barca. The Thankfully, you know, at long last, Barca's kind of filling the void that the Lakers are creating in my life. So, <laughs> you know, it's nice. It's nice to at least get a little bit of balance. You know, there was early in the season, it was tough to endure them both. But I appreciate Barca for... Uh, bringing me up a little bit yeah i feel like everything's coming at me right now because uh, with my <laughs> watching the nba this is really when things get good after the all-star break and i can just enjoy the games and barca looks like you know this is a whole show today but they look like they're turning a really positive corner potentially we might have to use yeah. the c word as in consistency it might be happening so we'll yeah. we'll get to all of those different factors talking about valencia today but yeah the nba is uh, good for People who just like the league, but as far as like in certain individual teams, yeah, if you're a Blazer fan or if you're a Laker fan or if you're a Pelican fan, well, I don't know. Things are <laughs> things are a little dicey. But... These, are, these are tough times. <laughs> yeah. So I want to say, speaking of thank you, I just want to quickly thank everybody. I, I know people who listen to the podcast don't necessarily watch the match reviews on YouTube, but the message that I, the message I received, I, I did a little bit of personal issue I had to deal with over the weekend that took from from Friday, basically, to, to Monday morning. And people were really patient about that match review. It finally came out on Monday evening, and people still watched it and enjoyed it. So I'm glad I got to do it. I'm glad it was a game to enjoy. So I really appreciate, again, all the personal message. Everything is okay. We're all good. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's fine. And we are going to continue on because, again, I was really able to, let's say, distract myself with the positivity of that game. And where I want to start, and this is where I kind of want to add the caveat that in that headline, you know, in the headlines or whatever, the five headlines I do. Mm. Aubameyang is clearly a headline. We will talk about him. Gabi, clearly a headline. Yep. We're going to talk about him. Des Dembele, that's on the rundown. But I think where I want to start is where is a headline I didn't hit. And that is that Jordi Alba had 13 ball recoveries. Sergio Busquets had 12 ball recoveries. And those 25 ball recoveries are 38% of Barcelona's ball recoveries. And there is a direct correlation with the way that Xavi's system, I think more than any other game, this whole time that he's been in charge. You saw Xavi's vision. You saw Xavi's ideas in full display in the most comfortable win of the season. And it's no surprise that Jordi Alba and Sergio Busquets were two of the best defensive players as well. Mm -hmm. And Jordi Alba, we could talk about his offensive game, but just defensively, how those guys are just so paramount 
to Barcelona dominating a team that should have been dominated because Valencia straight out stunk leading up to this match. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, those, those two were, you know, we talk a lot about the, you know, where, where there's been holes or shortcomings in the, in the Barca defense, but, and I do think the, the ability to recover the ball, like you talked about, and I mean, Jordi Alba in particular, but I mean, I think it is Busquets as well, but I think, I feel like it was more stark with Alba. If I think maybe it's because we've seen him or, you know, he's generally been viewed in a more, negative light this season, or he's been seen more for, you know, what he's not, or, I mean, I guess just for that, I mean, I think we've fixated more on the things that he's not in his shortcomings this season, but he played sort of the, the quintessential, you know, great Jordi Alba game. I mean, this is the game that, this is the type of game that made him a star. Like this is, this is why he's a fantastic player and he's part of the entrenched old guard at Barca and, you know, all of that. I mean, that's why he was, he was fantastic. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's, and that is Xavi's vision. I mean, it is, I mean, you got to get the ball back the whole, the, the ethos of, we say the ethos of Barca, but the ethos of Xavi's entire philosophy is have the ball, control the ball, control the, the tempo of the game. And, you know, that first part of have the ball is all the rest of it is moot if you can't get the ball. And, you know, for those two guys to, recover the ball and recover possession as frequently as they did and can just as adeptly as they did was was vital i mean it was massive yeah and especially alba the way that he orchestrated and conducted those first two goals show mm-hmm. you again we almost take we do because of his defensive shortcomings we almost take his offensive i mean he's one of the best offensive left backs of the 21st century yes and I, I might even extend that a bit the first two goals in particular so the first one comes off a throw-in Demelay yeah. comes way inside to the middle of the field and Elash has to step to him and mm-hmm. that leaves Aubameyang open on the diagonal run behind and Alba just puts it right on a platform I, I thought it was Eric Garcia initially I said it in the match review but that's it's right on a platform that pass was just, I mean, it was, I don't know. It was like, it was angel's breath stuff because I mean, the way that it came in when I first watched it, it looked like it was, and I even just watched the highlights again before, before we started talking, it looked like it was coming in a little hot where, you know, the, the first bounce was in a perfect spot, but I thought it was just going to outrun Aubameyang and just, you know, go past the, go past the end line. And I thought it would just be, you know, we'd all just kind of sigh and be like, Oh man, that was so close. But the way that, he put it where it needed to be and the ball just sort of checked up, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, it was, I mean, it was like a perfect, it's like he used a pitching wedge. I mean, it was, it was fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And then on the second goal, the ball into Dembele for De Young's finish was absolutely yes. superb as well. If anything, that was a smaller window. He hit a window mm-hmm. of about, I mean, a meter, he hit a meter and yeah. a half. He had to hit that window and he hit it perfectly over seven or eight bodies for both teams, yep. right? In a Dembele. So De Young's able to finish there. And then on the third one, Alba's not involved here, but the third goal is Dembele and Dest. Dest cuts in, works in, and then Dembele cuts underneath him, hits a through ball into Gabi, who who basically did what he's doing as a left winger, creates mm-hmm. a, jumps into that space. As I've been saying, that the high interiors that Xavi wants to see, that's what that's that run. Exactly that Xavi said he wanted to see. That high interior run in behind once both the fullback and the winger have inverted in then the left winger is going to pop into that space towards the corner and that's exactly where Gabi went which means if everybody's timing everything properly and has had we've seen a few days of training together then timing is starting to get down there and that meant an easy square ball into Aubameyang who was always dangerous and always in the right spots yes it's almost like when we finish when we continue talking about this Mm -hmm. I feel like we broke down the the first three goals at least and the fourth one of course was the the Pedri Galazzo and yeah. I, yeah, I almost want to, I don't know how you want to do this, but I almost want to run down player by player. And if anything, I want to bring back an old segment that for the old hats of this show, the Bolsa, <laughs> which is what Francesca and I used to do with different players here. And I think oh, most sure. of them, just to warn you, most of them are going to be stock up. So, yes. <laughs> do, so let's do it. Do you want to do that? We'll do a quick segment on each and every player. So everybody start in because I think this is the best way to do this. La Bolsa, you ready, Emil? Yeah, let's do it. By the way, before we, before we go, you know the, uh, the Pedro Galasso has been 
recategorized. They've given it to Aubameyang. Yeah, so yeah, he actually, yep, he had a hat yeah. trick. Yeah. Well, I'm no, calling just, it the uh, Pedro Galasso because, because yes, it was, was credited to someone else who got the hat trick. <laughs> yeah. I understand yeah. that, but... Um, no, but that's what it was. <laughs> yeah, that was Pedri's goal scoring again. So let's start yeah. with Dembele, whose stock, yeah. whose stock... I'll let you go first on this. I mean, we can come to an agreement together, but is it is his stock... I mean, his stock is definitely up after that game, but... 100%. Does it matter? Because I feel like Barca... <laughs> this is a, one exception where La Bolsa doesn't work because I feel like that stock has already been sold. And now, if anything, we unfortunately have to watch someone else prospering on that or someone in the future is prospering on this stock because I feel like the stock is pretty much already sold. So I, it, Dembele has always... I mean, I, I feel like almost from day one, Dembele has been very difficult to talk about just because there was always this or that, availability, injuries, and blah, blah, blah. So now we've had this entire, you know, the saga of this season. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like it had reached this point of finality. And for a while, it just seemed like we just were never going to see him on the pitch again for Barca. They were just going to wait this thing out and let him walk or whatever. Chavis wanted, Chavis wanted to bring him back in. And, you know, even at the time when it seemed like he was done as a player for Barca, I thought that was a massive mistake because this guy is here. He's vocally saying that, you know, he's trying. He's He's not mailing it in. And this guy, he's here and he wants to help and you need the help. So it just seemed problematic to just to just put him on the shelf for the rest of the season. So, I mean, on so his stock is way up. I mean, just in the sense of after everything that's happened and all the sort of the ugly noises that have been made on, you know, just all around for him to I mean, he, he wasn't lying. He he was training. He was staying prepared and his heart is in the game and he is still putting forth a, a full effort and he's. He's playing really well too. Where this gets extra complicated now is because now, now kind of the murmurs start of you know is there a way to is there a way to mend these fences and yeah. and keep him around and you know you have Obama Yang talking about you know talking to him about staying and things like that. And I know even I think it was one of the last times that we spoke. You asked me to on my from my personal perspective sort of put a bow on the Dembele Barca relationship. And I think I just said, you know, hey, you know, it's over. It was, it was fine. Now we're going to part ways. Now I feel like it's not. I feel like we've, yeah. you know, this is going to breathe life into it. So I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think it's still the odds are in favor of him leaving at the end of the season. But I think that's less the case. One because the club, i.e., Javi, but the club softened on the stance of, hey, you're not allowed to play anymore. So you know, they're not, they're not taking this hard line with him. And he, in turn, is responding with performances. So I think for the time being, I'm. it's great to see him playing well. This is, you know, it would have been fantastic for him to have been healthy and just be able to to blossom into, into the player that he could have been over the last, you know, three years, four years. But for now, I mean, I'm just, I'm really enjoying him. And, you know, I mean, if this is the player that he is, it would not make me sad if they can figure out some sort of resolution. But even if they don't, you know, this is great. It's it's nice to it's nice to see him having performances like this where he doesn't leave as this, you know, absolute just, you know, eternal scapegoat and derided figure. So in the, yeah, all I, around, I mean, it was just it's, it's nice to see. I think it's different how fans are going to view him. But Demolade, at least as the player, the reason why that stock is way up. This is arguably the most controlled game maybe we've ever seen. I mean, the advanced metrics on this, it's not even advanced metrics, it's just easy stats here. He gave the ball away just six times. And I, I remember yeah. months ago where he was giving the ball on average away 21 to 25 times. And I remember talking wow. to Barcelona at the time that, you know, that happens. And obviously it happens when more players are taking chances. But Dembele yeah. was both putting himself in the spots to be dangerous while also keeping control of the ball and recycling when necessary. And his decision-making... As I said, I, I don't think it's a decision-making I've ever seen it that good. He only misplayed three yeah. passes in 71 minutes. And yeah, it was easy because Valencia is mm. out of form, but Gaia yeah. is supposed to be, it's supposed to be, right? The the successor yeah. to Jordi Alba. Supposed to be mm. one of the best left-backs on the market. And Dembele, yeah. I, I mean, he just thought through him. He didn't even, it wasn't about speed or his... It didn't physically uh, overwhelm him. No. I mean, necessarily, but no. yeah. He was just smarter and better. And, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, Dembele was just magnificent in that match. And yeah, it brings up all those frustrations. When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast. But for the Barcelona version, there's Piquet and Puyol or Piquet and Mascherano. Or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. 
And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So next up is Dest, and I think Dest works in tandem with DMLA, that that's way up. And you wonder, what does it take for DMLA to succeed? Well, clearly, it is that partnership with DMLA, because mm. I don't think Dest can replicate that with Adama Traore, or, mm. but, or, or Farron Torres when he plays on the right either. But with DMLA, yeah. Dest has uh, constantly, he has space to invert. Right? The only way yeah. that Dest is going to be comfortable inverting infield is when Dembele is attracting two and a half defenders in the way that he does. And not in yeah. the uh, Adama Traore way where once Adama loses the ball, he loses the ball in the same spot on the field and the defense is ready to transition out from that position. Mm. Where Dembele, because he is pure chaos in all those different mm. regards, Dest is able to set up his rest defense in a place where he can be more supportive to the positions that Dembele loses the ball in. And yep. so when Des would invert, he inverted in a way that Dembele was still possibly going to either overlap or come mm -hmm. underneath him as per the, the, the third goal of the game, that one that Aubameyang mm -hmm. finished from Gabi. So there's so many different options where Adama Traore, as much as he does what he does well, as we kind of said, it is mm -hmm. one-dimensional to a point where you know that he's going to try to get down the touchline and just keep moving, yeah, keep moving, keep moving, and... right, and go wide and go wide and go wide. So... Yeah. You, it puts a, a large responsibility where, and I, it comes down to decision making. With Dembele, mm -hmm. Des doesn't have to make the decision because Des can yeah. move and invert or overlap based on Dembele's position yeah. and to that point also the position of Gabi and Sergio Busquets. But with Adama Traore, those are decisions that Des has to make. And Danny yes. Alves makes the right decisions to experience. And the real question about Dest has continued to be, will he, or is he capable of, well, I guess those two questions, <laughs> does he have a high enough <laughs> ceiling to get to where Barca and Xavi need him? 
And then part two of that is he ever going to get the reps and the experience and the playing time and the ability to make mistakes necessary to get to that level if the club believes he can get there. So my stock for him is way up, but it's also tentative. Yeah. Keep watching that stock because it feels like it jumped up, but it could easily jump right back down. So that is not a position that that stock is going to hold <laughs> because <laughs> Napoli could yeah. completely erase every piece of good fortune that Des built against Valencia. Yeah, I totally agree. And then, yeah, so I mean, he is obviously way up. And I think part of that is a function of we're starting, you know, coming into the Valencia game or even just, you know, in recent weeks, we're starting from a very low base. So by virtue of that, but th that being said, he did play very well. And I, I think what you said with Dembele versus Traore makes a lot of sense because one thing that I think is excellent that Traore has done is he's been. And I don't even know if it's a function of discipline or discipline born of him doing the thing that he's most comfortable doing and does best. Triori maintains width in a way that allows the attack to not sort of collapse in on itself and, you know, sort of bunch in too much. But exactly like you said, with it removes some of the options for what Dest can do when he when he comes forward. And also, yeah, I think it puts too much decision making on Dest's plate because at least when he's playing with Dembele he can read what Dembele is doing and attract you know and uh, act accordingly whereas with Traore so okay so you know Traore is not really going in you know he's not really cutting in so I think Des now has to take other variables into his decision making I mean like you said with you know with others in the midfield and things like that and I don't know if he's had I mean, he hasn't had enough reps with with this group and particularly under Xavi mm -hmm. to have that be second nature, be kind of muscle memory yet. You know, the the hallmark of all the great, you know, Barca sides was obviously the, you know, the physical talent and technical ability and all of that. But there was also that hive mind that they all had where, you know, just inexplicably, they would all just kind of move perfectly. And they they knew where to give one another space, how to cover for one another. And I mean, I don't think there's anything physically or technically lacking from Des's game, but I I think there is a certain level of familiarity and yeah, just the the reps and experience that he hasn't had yet. Whether he gets that opportunity, I think is an open question. I mean, I think that's I think that's fair. I mean, Chavi's Chavi's comments about him in the aftermath of the Valencia game were Glowing. effusive. I mean, he yeah. was yeah, he was he was super positive. So you you know and. He's so he's going to play against he's going to play against Napoli and and you would think that you know just even a a decent to good performance against Napoli and you would figure that he'll be pretty firmly on on Xavi's good side at that point. Right now, when Dani Alves returns, Dani Alves will will own that spot. But I can see whether it's getting Alves some rest or you know just sort of 60th minute substitutions and things like that. I could see Dest getting more and more, more and more run. And as they get more opportunities to train together and some of that experience and familiarity is born. I mean, okay. So not in the, in the cauldron of a game, but at least he'll gradually sort of build on his understanding of what his role is and what to do and what the contingencies are. You know, when, when X goes here, I go here and, and things like that, but he's, Look, he's it, it's a similar situation to Demelay where he's obviously he's stuck with it. He hasn't he didn't totally let his head drop. He hasn't lost his confidence and he he didn't he didn't look like a player who fully needed to be nursed back into to confidence and mm -hmm. game form. He just he's a he's a player that's learning a role that hasn't been getting yeah. time. Well, to we play. have heard that about Des personality off the field mm. that he yeah. is someone who can very quickly fluctuate from high, mm. not really to low, but to high, where if he is endowed with confidence by a manager, it, it's easy for him to quickly get that back. He seems to have mm -hmm. this, this eccentric personality that that doesn't really pay attention to, uh, even if he sees it, he doesn't really pay attention to the negativity and it doesn't really get internalized with the exception of his manager who's not playing him, right? Like that's where it gets negative. But he's yeah, because that's the most the stark. That's the most stark negative that you can get. Not is, playing, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, yeah. We, whatever we say about you, I'm not going to let you play. Yeah. Is, um, well, and yeah. I think, and think of of his stock, right? We talked about the offensive end and how he can make himself useful, and I think that is how Kool-Aid's really do judge him. But defensively, I, I don't know if we talk about his that part of his game that much. 
And I, I guess this season it's a good thing. But what we did see is that he played against Brian Heal, who was mm-hmm. very, very good prior to yeah. that match against Dest. And even mm-hmm. though Heal did beat him sometimes, yeah, he, he just seemed trouble. comfortable and calm because mm-hmm. Ronald Araujo was next to him. And yeah. I've noticed that over the course of now the last year, that when Dest has that safety blanket that is Araujo, Dest is that combination works well. I think they have a bit of chemistry. Their timing is down. Mm-hmm. I think Araujo knows how quick Dest is and how quick yeah. Dest can make up the space when he makes a mistake in a way that he can't make up that space for PK or Eric Garcia when they're playing as a right center mm-hmm. back. So for when you're playing with PK, you kind of have to hold your ground. You cannot get beat. Yeah. And Araujo allows you to get beat, but a lot, but almost uses his own ability to give you the time to get back into position. Mm-hmm. And you know, this is also the point of Valencia that a better team were probably going to, even though Des did well against Brian Heal, a better team mm-hmm. than Valencia were going to use the space that, for any tiny yeah. mistake that Des made, were going to exploit that space between he and Demolé, and they just that being Valencia didn't have those weapons and were too concerned yeah. with trying to get the ball back and uh, actually getting out of their own half of the field. So yeah, <laughs> I don't know if I can really read too much into his defensive end, uh, the defensive end for him on that side of the ball, but. Okay, let's pivot here because sometimes stock, here's the bad news. People know if you watch the market, sometimes mm-hmm. individual stock is a little bit too pricey. And mm-hmm. I'm a little concerned, Emil, that our Pedri yeah. and Gabi stock, I'm going to talk about these two in tandem. <laughs> I'm a little worried that our Pedri and Gabi stock is just getting a bit too expensive. Like even though Pedri won the Copa trophy, even though he was the best yeah. young player in the world last year, he got all those trophies and then he got yeah. hurt. And I felt like, you know, you watch, I'll say them by name, you know, you watch the ESPN FC, the Bleacher Report, you watch Mm -hmm. them on Twitter, you haven't heard anything about Pedri for a long time because he's hurt, right? And I felt like, you know, around the world, we started to hear more about, oh, what about Phil Foden? What about um, Musiala from Bayern Munich, right? And you started to hear more and more. Mm -hmm. And Pedri is back. And Pedri, even though he couldn't play, somehow got better at putting the ball in the back of the net. I know it was a pumping hang's goal, but Pedri in Xavi's system is doing what I dreamed that he would do in two years' time. And it feels a little bit too early, but it doesn't. Because in the last four matches, Pedri has had an eye for goal in a way that he did not last year. It's just he's now in better spots, better positions. And Mm -hmm. even if he's not putting the ball in the back of the net, he had that miss against Napoli, sure. But he's adding a wrinkle to his game, and that system is supporting yep. that skill, which, again, we question, would Pedri have that skill? And it seems like he does. He's putting himself in better scoring positions. I said it on the earlier show earlier in the week, or sorry, last week, that Pedri is Barcelona's best player. And even yes. in that substitute appearance, I, I there are no questions to me that Pedri is Barcelona's best player. That said, Gabi is just, he's different, but he's also the same because the ways that he excels is also we saw in that game by playing and pushing forward as a high interior, but also always being in the right defensive position as well. Yes. And just having the intelligence to cut out counterattacks, to know when to drop in when De Jong gets forward, to know when to support Busquets again in that rest defense, to know yep. when you need to be involved in the attack, but also know when you're going to just be the reset. And it seems yep. like those watching Gabi, he knew exactly when to do all of those things. They said on the third goal, when he gets forward on that on that underlapping, <laughs> I guess that's not a real term, but when he yeah. picks up that through ball from Dembele, he knew exactly when to get forward. Where just two possessions earlier, he actually dropped deeper than Dest and Dembele because mm-hmm. that move wasn't, we'll say, totally on. That space wasn't fully mm-hmm. com- fully available. So he winds up stepping in and then gets the reset and they go back to the left side. And Gabi's shown that he's useful as a left winger. He's useful as a left interior. And if anything, he was best as a right interior. And you could yep. say that for the memes or whatever, that he outplayed Elash Moriba, of course, but Elash's team stunk. But it's not, yep. these are apples and oranges. It's not, this is not the same thing. Gabi and Elash, like, unfortunately. I think Elash has a really no. high ceiling, sure. But this is a different thing. Gabi, the, foul, the six fouls that he was able to draw, completed 23 of 25 passes. Like, whether you call it stats, whether you actually talk about the Y test, I mean, the, the I test, Gabi was magnificent, and Pedri somehow is better. And I, I, I mean, yeah. yeah, it was just, it was awesome to see those guys. I mean, they were just, they're everywhere on that field, offensively and defensively. Yeah, those those two are, I mean, they're exceptional. Like, they're just, they're so, so good. And when we talk about the, sort of the stock report, and, you know, because it doesn't actually cost me money to keep buying their stock, I mean, I'm just going to keep doing it, or at the very least, you know, not take any profits, because, I mean, these two are, 
I mean, it's it's tough to watch. It's tough to watch these two play the, the way that they're playing right now. And not just, and, you know, and then you take into account their ages and not see them as just defining superstars for the next whatever, yeah, eight decade, years, yeah. decade, whatever you want to say, however, however long they feel like doing it. And I mean, I think the, for both of them, I mean, I think Pedri is obviously further along. I mean, he's a little bit older and he's just, you know, he's, he's here. I mean, he is he's 19, he's 19. <laughs> he's 19, 19 years old. Yep. I know. He's, 19. Like, <laughs> he's a little bit older. He's 19 years old. <laughs> Jeez. Oh yeah. No, but I mean, he's, he's here and he's, yeah. he's the best player in the world. He's recognized as such. And well, I don't no, know so, the best in the world, but he's the best player for Barcelona in this iteration of Barcelona. Who we're seeing the best young player in the world. Best young player in the world, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's the best. No, no, no. He's not the best player in the world. That's not what I was saying. <laughs> but um, he's the he's the best young player in the world. He's the best player in this Barca side, and he's shown an aptitude for doing it against you know top level competition internationally and and at club level. I think the the thing with Gabi is the the only question I have is. It comes down to, I guess, you know, replicating these performances and consistency and doing it against higher level opposition. Right. Because, yeah, like the the thing is, the the Valencia team that they played wasn't a stern test. They did a great job. I mean, they they took care of business in exactly the way that that you need to against you know lesser competition or out of form competition. But I mean, just the the way that they're playing and the the tone that they're setting for the team is is vital. I mean. They are, you know, the two of them and, you know, De Young's been playing really well. Just that that core yeah. of the team has, there's a sense of stability and trust that I have when I watch them play that simply was not present early in the season. Like yeah. when Pedri was out and, you know, in particularly before Xavi's arrival or even just before he'd fully had a chance to to infuse the team with his with his ideas and his tactics, just there wasn't the same sense of, even when they had the ball, even when they were holding the ball a little bit, I didn't fully trust that a that they were going to do anything overwhelmingly great with it, or b that they weren't going to somehow find some sort of calamitous outcome. You know, at the end of what should be a, a calm period of possession, and now when when they have the ball and, and these two are a huge part of it, you you get the sense that someone's at the wheel. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. there's there's a strong rudder and you know, we're like, we're not, we're not playing with fire. We're not just, we're not hoping to conjure a, an attack out of, you know, this sort of an, an aimless move. There's, there's very clearly a plan. And these guys at their young age are so adept at implementing it and they know their roles and they, they play them phenomenally well. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think there is a direct correlation between the fact that Barca's midfield looks utterly stable. I mean, very stable, mm-hmm. especially if De Young is able to have performances like he did, I think, against Napoli and the yep. one against Valencia. There is some yeah. stability when, De, not say that De Young was a scapegoat, but De Young was arguably the only player other than those two really bad performances by Busquets that have been kind of unstable because there has been consistency to Gabi and Pedri and Nico's mm-hmm. performances this year, which again is a mark of how incredible these youngsters are. But as you said, to the point, what's next, right? What's next is that consistency uh, even more every single game, right? Having a continuing to raise that ceiling or sorry, raise that mm-hmm. floor and then do it against better competition. And I will say too, hosting the show for all these years, I have, you know, I'm going to tap myself on the back here and say that I have been very behaved on social media. I've been very behaved on the <laughs> podcast. I have not been very petty, but, but there was a day a few months ago when I was, I would say generally attacked by a number of Pedri avatars on Twitter who told me that my comment that I thought that he could enhance his decision-making and ability in the final third, and I told him that I wanted to see more from him at that at that position, and I said he was already, you know, one, he was already so useful and already so important to what Barcelona yeah. was doing. And I just, not to say I told you so, because they got what they wanted. Of course, they're Pedri fans. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, he did it. He did exactly that. It seems like Pedri knows exactly where to be and exactly how to impact scoring now. And if he's going to be that midfielder that impacts scoring in, I'm ready to say it, in an in Iniesta-type way, if he's able to yeah. do that and he's doing that, it's just the sky is absolutely the limit for what this midfield is capable of. And the fact yeah. that, as we said, going into it, if Barca's midfield 
can look across whatever the other 11 is and say, oh, our midfield is better than their midfield. We're going to have a level of control. And I think we've been talking yeah. about it. Late game control has been important. The depth of Barca's back line, actually the ability of Barca's back line means that control is difficult because mm-hmm. they are susceptible to certain weaknesses and they're able to be exploited. So not to be negative, but before we do a bombing angle, we'll end with him. I unfortunately want to talk about some stock that we need to keep watching and look at because I want to say for the Eric Garcia, his stock, I, you know, you, you know me, whenever Eric Garcia's stock goes down, I buy, right? Whenever it goes down (laughs) against Napoli and Napoli, whatever the match was before, or Espanol rather, it was Napoli, Espanol. So whenever his stock goes down against Espanol, you know, I buy, 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 right? Buy low. And now I feel against Valencia, the Eric Garcia stock, you know, it, it went back to its average. It it went back up and I'm looking, it's looking good, right? So give me a little bit more of that Eric Garcia stock at the moment. I, (laughs) I don't really have to say too much other than the fact that Barcelona unequivocally controlled that game without Gerard Piquet from the from the yes. back line up and Eric Garcia and his progressive passing is a big reason for that so I'm not going to galaxy brain it that's it now the two guys we should talk about is Ter Sagan and Miguetha because yes. Miguetha's stock I don't think it could be lower if anything it may have risen a little bit but the one and only goal from really talented player in Carlos Soler was yeah. so much Miguetha's fault that it's hard to actually pull everybody else's stock down after that goal because it was so yeah. much on Mingetha. And so I, I'm not buying his stock or selling it. Turn around. Yeah, yeah. I, I just I don't I just don't think I want to touch his stock right now. Cause even though it's not mm-hmm. gonna go lower, I, I just think that it's it's not really useful to me. And I think the mm-hmm. minute that the minute the summertime comes, like the, the second the the transfer window is open, whether it's Aspalaqueta or even Mizrawi or in a three mm-hmm. back three, like whoever it may be is coming in. Mingetha is certainly time at the club. Is, is probably over. I think he's a good enough player. Like, And don't get it twisted. I thought he was good last year. I think he's a good yeah. professional player. And I think there was a place for him. But yesterday in that game, and I'm not disparaging the Valencia back line, but I think Valencia mm. could have upgraded their back line by actually having had Mangetha on loan. Remember, Mangetha refused yeah. to go on mm. loan to Valencia, which makes sense because yeah. you don't want any part of what that project is right now. Well, under Bordelage. Yeah. But, <laughs> but Valencia certainly could have used him on their back line more than Barca can raise their ceiling with him on their back line. I think that's the only point yes. is that he's a very good player that belongs at a Valencia or Real Betis or uh, I mean, Real Betis might be a bit too much, but around that area, around a resurgent Granada, whatever it may be. I think that is his level, which is again, not an insult. He's a very good player who, if he's yeah, able to, he's a... but he needs regular minutes. He needs to be a starting yeah. center back at one of those clubs at Valencia. Not he's never yeah, going to get a... the minutes necessary at Barcelona. No, I think he's a. I think he's a starting center back at a mid table at a mid table team. You know, and that's that will that will carve you out a nice career. And yeah, Carlos know, Carlos Perez is getting paid at Roma. He's getting paid. And he's useful. <laughs> like it's it's fine. It's fine not to not to be needed at Barca. No, that's that's exactly it. I mean, it's yeah. We can't have this attitude that. If you don't find your stride and absolutely star and thrive at the very apex that somehow the that his career has you know disappointed in some way. Yeah. Yeah, I think he'll leave in the summer. Hopefully he finds a good situation. Um I can understand not wanting to go to Valencia. Yeah. And but if he can find himself, you know, kind of a good, stable, you know, a nurturing environment where there's some stability and a manager that believes in him you know, has some tactical acumen and, and uses him properly. He can have a, he can have a nice long career. You know I mean? He, will, he won't be a star, but he'll just, I think he can be a solid player on a year in year out basis. Yeah. The only counter argument is that very much in a Sergio Roberto kind of mold mm-hmm. are those, those Catalan players that when they leave home, even mm-hmm. over keep who is not now, who has not played since the, since he came off at halftime against Linares. He's, mm-hmm. always, I think it's eight matches since he played last. Something like that, right? Yeah. So there is a list we've seen of Catalan players that when they leave home, it doesn't work out. And you see that they yeah. only did well in the comforts of Catalonia. And so he might be one of those players, but I'd hope he isn't. Mm-hmm. So I'm not kicking Mingetha out of the glove. I think he's serviceable. Mm-hmm. I, I think <laughs> that was exactly when to use him, right? Xavi putting him in as a precautionary measure to take out Eric Garcia with PK suspended. That's exactly when Mangetha should have come in. And yeah, it didn't all go terribly. And I also think that Mangetha has an understanding of positional play that is really useful, especially in Spanish football. And I think it would actually be useful in league as well. 
maybe not the Bundesliga so much. I think he would struggle there. But yeah, I think McGaitha does have good things about his game. Again, his positional sense is very good. His passing is in uh, the high, the fi- top 50 percentile for uh, progressive passing for center backs. Like, and, and even he can deputize his right back. So I think he's going to be a really useful player. It's just, I, I wouldn't be that sad if I only saw him two more times this season as Barcelona are fighting forward yeah. for top four. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I think he's fifth on the depth chart or whatever. Like, and somehow he's above Lingley if he's ever healthy. Now, the other guy here, yeah. the guy everybody's getting on, you know who it is. He, uh, he's the one guy on the team that gets to use gloves, but I guess he's not really using them well. I think Ter Stegen, if you're going to buy his stock, you should buy it now. His head stock, yes. I guess let me rephrase that question, Emil, for you. Has Ter Stegen's stock ever been lower at his time for FC Barcelona outside outside of that first like four to five months when he just looked completely unsure of himself and Claudio Bravo was the number one? Has there been another time in the last, let's say, four years when Ter Stegen's stock was this low? Because this is year seven for him. Yeah, I mean, I don't think so. I mean, I guess maybe... Maybe if you want to say in the second leg against Liverpool that one year, <laughs> but um, you know, but I think that's when everyone's stock was cratering. So I feel like everyone was at an all-time low there. But it, yeah, it's it's tough because now I guess a couple of years have flown by since we were, or at least since I was comfortably just saying that Ter Stegen's the best goalkeeper in the world, and yep. he, you know, was just this just pillar of confidence and aptitude. And everything. And he was, he was, his, he was. Him and Messi under Nesta Valverde saves Barcelona so yes. many points. So, so, so yeah. many points. He was. I stick by that. Things can be two things. Yeah. Things can both be true. Yes. I think was about, then. yeah. So I think it was around like 2020, sometime, I guess maybe late, late 2020 or so when I think the worm kind of started to turn for him. But yeah, the last, the last year and a half has been pretty brutal. Um, I don't know. I know with goalkeepers, it's, it can be a weird thing because. On the one hand, he's he's the same he's the same guy. He's he knows what he's doing in net, and he has the same physical capabilities. So you want to think that he's he's going to bounce back. And but then goalkeeper is such a sort of between your ears, confidence driven position too. That not that I'm saying like he's permanently broken or anything like that, but. You know, you want to see him put together at least just one or two of those, not even like the full virtuoso performances that he used to, but just one or two performances where there, there's nothing shaky. There's no point where you're just kind of, you know, exhaling deeply and just kind of shaking your head and rolling your eyes after he does something. He, you know, I mean, I, I do think that if he gets one or one or two of those under his belt, particularly with the club itself, finding a little bit of firmer footing and, you know, stringing together results and... I could see that positive, you know, sort of that that confidence and that positive momentum feeding off of one another and and him regaining some form. But I mean, he really does not he he looks way off of his best and it's like it it really stinks to it really stinks to yeah. see because I, you know, I, I I like him a lot, but he just he doesn't look like he's very sure of himself at all out there. Yeah. So the two thoughts to that is one. I'm not qualified. As much as I've worked really hard to be qualified to talk about what happens in the outfield, I am not qualified, and I think most people are not, to speak about professional goalkeepers. That is a position in football that is very, very particular to those who have Mm -hmm. done it before. And even then, I don't know how often we articulate it. Like, there's these adages we think exist, like, oh, you can't get beat to your near post in certain situations, or you can't do this, You, you have to take that step. And so... I think there are pundits that try their best, but I can say I'm not qualified to speak about yeah. why he's not doing well, other than mm-hmm. maybe it is between the ears. But clearly, I can't break down the X and O's as to why Ter Stegen is struggling so much. We can, and that's why I try to you know avoid it the best I can. Yeah. And part two of that is I think football in general needs a better way to analyze and to speak about just how good goalkeepers are. Because yeah. I said it after the Atletico Madrid match with Jan Oblak. For multiple years, Atletico Madrid were always below the expected goals against number. I mean, every time you'd say, oh, they're supposed to give up this, and they would give up less. And so Oblak would always look good, and his numbers would always be yeah. great. And you'd say, oh, man, that guy's a stopper. They had people fighting for him to get the Ballon d'Or. But now, mm-hmm. this season, Atletico Madrid, 
they're right about where their athletic, I mean, what their expected goals are. They're not playing well. Yeah. And as a unit, as a team, they look disjointed. Diego Godin is, is now long gone, right? And even the yeah. ghost of Diego Godin is just watching from the stands, <laughs> exactly. right? And yeah, so, the old guard is completely gone. Yeah. I think there was so much that that fed they fed off of one another. I exactly. Think, or Block fed off of the two of them. And so, or, and, right? and so if you want to talk about who took the bigger jump down, Oblak went from a Ballon d'Or finalist, arguably, right, to some mm-hmm. opinions, to a, I mean, a statistically, a average, the like the average, maybe the median goalkeeper in yeah. the league at this season, which is just that's it, impossible if he was that player. That if right. Busquets has done that or Alba would do that, Xavi wouldn't be able to put him on the field if if you had right. just that kind of a descent from one year to the next. Yeah, if you just went to like being just a guy. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think for Ter Stegen, I, I mean, here's the optimistic the optimistic view. I'm going to hold out hope that when Barcelona's backline improves, like I know there was talk about, oh, would you rather have Holland or would you rather have Kunde and Isak or some kind yeah. of combination, right? Of would you rather have yeah. Holland or Kunde and an attacking player? But I could see a back three of Araujo, Eric Garcia, and Kunde, and then we're going back to talking about Ter Stegen being one of the top goalkeepers in the world. I, I think it's very doable. That we could be having yeah. that conversation based on, again, the entire system, on what Ter Stegen has to face, on the institutional trust that he has in his back line, on his comfortable, on the ways that he gets more comfortable with the responsibilities that Xavi gives him to play out from the back, which is another concerning part of his game. If anything, I've been more concerned at the inaccuracy of his long passing yes. than I have from his actual you know, ability to stop shots. Because I think the, the shot stopping, mm. we know that's in there. It just has to, you know, maybe it's confidence or something, but it just yeah. has to return. But I, I'm I'm nervous about his inability to pass with the ball at his feet anymore, which was supposed to be the thing that truly made him really, really, really special. And it just hasn't been good since Shabby took it. Yeah, and it hasn't it been was, good for a while now. But it, yeah, it, has, it, it has had moments. Until it wasn't. Yeah, and then moments. And then when that goes, it's so, it's so glaring. Because that was the one thing that he would do is, I mean, he would, he would thread these long passes. You know, he'd, he put them on a put them on a dime, and he did that in a way that very few goalkeepers, you know, could even would even dare try. And when when that went to to echo what you said, I mean, I don't I don't know that I can I don't even know that I can try to diagnose what it is exactly the the cause and effect that's that's led to his drop in form. But you know, in the absence of that, I don't know how that dissipated and I don't know how you get that back. I don't know if it's a physical thing or, you know, is there some sort of lingering, some sort of injury thing or, you know, what is it that, because the drop-off was so stark, it wasn't like, Oh, he's faltering every so often. It just, it's really dried up just phenomenally. And I think some, some say that he got to his best because of the competition with Bravo because he was being pushed. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a definitely a, a large population that is saying that because he has not had a consistent backup to really take his job if he falters, yeah. that that's part of it. But we never know. Again, different players do different things. You know, like for yeah. me, I, I mean, I'm not a professional goalkeeper. I'm not a professional footballer. But I know that I perform better when I have the trust of my teammates and I know what my role is and I know who I need yes. to be. When I feel like mm-hmm. there's somebody coming for me. I just I don't perform as well. That's just the way I am, and that's again why I'm not a <laughs> professional athlete. Why I don't have that, you know, why I'm not Michael Jordan. Yeah. But I just some some people are built differently than others, and what does a certain player need is different from what another player needs, whether confidence, whether whatever it is. But anyway, speaking of confidence, another stock. This is a little joke one before we get to the last one. That being Obama Yang, the stock for VAR is back up in Barca's favor because they all worked <laughs> out against Valencia. So uh, yep. stock in VAR <laughs> is back up. So I don't think it's enjoying it. Let's yeah, and it'll go down <laughs> again. I promise right like the second it goes down we know that madrid fans are going to buy all that up but <laughs> so that's how it is so as i say VR, yep. var over the course of a whole season it's always going to and i can say this with truth it's always going to tilt in the way if you're a madrid fan always buy var stock but if you're a barca fan you know it goes up it goes down it goes up it goes down sometimes yep. var works for barca but it definitely never disproportionately works against barca but it does Generally work for Real Madrid, right? So that's the difference, right? It, it, yes. We know it works for Real Madrid, <laughs> yeah. but for Barca, I think it works just like it does for everyone else in the league. With Barca, I think you, I think you buy the dips in VAR, and then you, you know, you sell <laughs> yeah. when it feels like it's going too well. Like right now, I might, I might short a little bit of VAR because yeah. I feel like, 
you know, I feel like the rub of the green was, you know, <laughs> was with Barca a, a great deal. But I mean, I, I say that jokingly, but yeah. I, I know what you mean, though. Well, so and a few weeks ago, Elliot of uh, Arsenal Vision, he came on mm-hmm. and he told us, I think in, in, in a lot of words, he said, be cautious, but buy that Aubameyang stack. And mm-hmm. I agreed with him. You know, I, I, he, mm-hmm. what he does well is get find space, get into space. The question was, can he finish? And yeah. he did have only he did have a brace. I, I know he had a hat trick, but he had a brace, right? right? <laughs> like that's what he did. Uh, and yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess he was in the right spot. I mean, it, it, good on him for ducking. Good on him for ducking. Yeah. And uh, he was get, trying to get out of the. He was trying right, to, putting that ball in the back of the net. So good on him for that. But what Obama Yang does and why his stock is definitely up is. Yeah, it's really simple that he just put the ball in the back of the net. Sure, but the way he scored those goals opened up a dynamism that we have not seen from Barca, which against Napoli, yep. who have better defenders like Koulibaly, who is, yep. I mean, maybe a better individual defender than all four of what we saw from Valencia combined. Don't expect to Gaia right. or, or those or the other defenders. But I'm with you. <laughs> right, right. But so when the, when the competition raises up, Aubameyang, he might get a little lost again. I even said that Aubameyang is not going to be dropping in deep and having a wonderful first touch to reset possession and recycle it, mm-hmm. right? He's not going to drop in like that. But Valencia were leaving so much space in the midfield. I mean, like, this is yeah. rough for Elias Moriba uh, and, and Guillemont. So there was so much space underneath, though, uh, in between the midfield and the back line for Valencia that Aubameyang was able to drop in, had so much time to just get yes. some kind of touch. Like, he didn't even, he wasn't really put under pressure that he was able to be nope. part of the buildup. So when Aubameyang is part of your buildup, you know that the other team is not having a great day in terms no. of their structure and their and their. And their they're unifying midfield. So, but, 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 but Obama Yang again, raises the ceiling because he might be able, we can see, he might be able to pop off for a goal or two in an important spot. Like now after this hat trick, you're thinking, Hey, even against Napoli, he's not going to score a hat trick. He might not score two, but he might get the one goal that Barca needs. And that raises the ceiling where no offense to Brothwaite and even, even Luke de Young, who scored big goals, but the big goals he scored against you wonder what the competition has been over the course of the year. But Aubameyang has the skill set, and he's also been in big moments. He's scored yeah. big goals. So I think if he's able to find the net, and it seems like he is, and he's and he finds his scoring boots, what it looks like he might have, then he's going to put in goals because this system is built to feed him goals. And Barca just needs, yeah. unfortunately, Ferran Torres, his stock is down. I'm not doing that again. Go back to last week's show. Talk to all about <laughs> Ferran Torres. But, yeah. but, but for Aubameyang, yeah, it's looking good. And the stock obviously is way up. He's a particular kind of player. And you and I have talked all season, you know, before before any of these new signings came in. And when there was frustration of where are the goals going to come from? And, you know, we would talk about, you know, Luke DeYoung would come in and he would score goals. And, you know, we would sort of celebrate it, but then we would kind of chuckle and be like, you know, is this what it's going to take to, <laughs> to rack up points? And, you know, look, to his credit, Luke DeYoung did exactly what was needed and what it is that he does. I mean, he's a... He's a big body who gets in there and puts his head on the ball. If he had made that bicycle kick against Napoli, I mean, I I, I tweeted that. I, mean, I think he almost considerated Catalunya if, if that had gone in. I mean, we would have just all just melted into the water. Yeah, I want to say, but, I, I'm not a roller coaster guy, but I am loving the Luke de Young experience. I don't love Luke de Young, right? I, his his yeah. shortcomings are the same ones that I find. Like, I'm fine if he's yeah. not brought back. He's 31. Like, it's okay. Yeah. But this loan has been so much fun. So much he's fun. Even the bicycle kicks that aren't. Oh, totally. He's, well, he has so much, you can see he has so much confidence. That, like, yeah. Like, that but I'm, that I'm, I don't get mad at him anymore for being too slow. Like, no. of course he's too slow. That's who he is. Like, right? Like, no, nothing he does wrong. He's the best version me. of himself <laughs> exactly. right now. That's why it's so yeah. much fun. <laughs> yeah. I, no, that's the thing. I, I have, I don't know if I ever had any ill will towards him, but right now I'm just like, hey, man, just live your best life. This is great. Yeah. And, um, but Obama Yang is obviously just an entirely different kind of player. And like you said, I mean, he scored big goals in big games. I mean, this is a guy that knows, okay, so he's he's a little bit older and his, you know, the the end of his time at Arsenal was whatever, like, you know, a little bit messy at best, you know? And, but the thing is, this guy is still, he has so, so many physical tools. He knows what it is. Like he he has a star mentality. He knows what it is to be a star. Mm-hmm. He goes out there thinking, "I'm gonna like I'm just gonna pump the ball into the net." And he I don't think that guy ever plays a game not expecting to score. Probably not expecting to score two goals. 
you know? And so he has that, he has a star mentality. He has the speed and athleticism to, we has the, he has the eye for picking out space and he has the speed and athleticism to exploit space. And like you said, I mean, he's been there and he, he knows what it is to play at a high level and play with high level teammates and to score important goals. And that was the sort of thing that was missing, you know, all season from Barca. And with the exception of, you know, Jared Piquet or, you know, I mean, Busquets hasn't scored the big goals, but, you know, with the outside of sort of Busquets, Piquet and Alba, there weren't even that many players on the Barca team that had that much firsthand experience with score, you know, with being present for your team scoring big goals in big moments, you know, yeah. against big teams. And Aubameyang has that. And I think he just has that. He has a certain confidence and expectation that he's going to get chances and a belief that he's going to finish them. He has to finish them. But I mean, the, the way that he finished that first goal against Valencia was, I mean, he just thumped it into the net. Yeah, he didn't. You could tell he didn't have any second thoughts about it. No hesitation. He just put his foot through it and just hammered it in. And that's, I mean, he was what we, what we needed for, from any of the strikers at Barca, you know, early in the season. Yeah, and I'm not, we're not really too much of this Napoli preview, but I think Aubameyang's success against Valencia brings up a quick question, and that is, since Ferran Torres has not found whatever it is, I, I think he will find, and some have already said that he'll never find, sure, like, we can continue that debate, whatever, but because of this game that Aubameyang just had, Xavi's going to have to think long and hard about mm-hmm. starting Dembele against Valencia, because Aubameyang and Dembele have picked it right up, and it's been five years, yeah. and, you know, it's funny, because, again, I always, I'll mention sometimes of some of the things I've done athletically, but for me, like watching those two again, it reminds me of when I go and play with a player, somebody I played with in college 10 years ago. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it it is kind of like you look at, you look, you make eye contact and you're like, oh, this is like the same bike we used to ride. You know, it's, we're different. Yeah. We're different players and hopefully we're better players. I don't know about those two, but for, you know, for, if I play with an old college teammate 10 years later, well, you know, we know that we're, just smarter than we used to be, even if we're yeah. slower. <laughs> we're slower for sure, but we might be smart. And Aubameyang would be the well, same you know thing. One slower, but... but you know one another's tendencies, too. But we, and they didn't, it didn't go away. Like, we still know. Yeah. Like, yeah, we're different players a little bit, but we yeah. still just know each other. And there's just a level of trust, an institutional totally. trust there. And for Dembele and Aubameyang, you could see they trust each other in a way that that is yes. not eroded in any way after five years. It is still there exactly the same way. So I think the, my only question for Napoli, like, we're not even going to do a preview here. My only question is, is Dembele, and it's it's not about start over Damatoriori, is that if you're going to start Aubameyang at the nine, which I think he should now after this mm-hmm. game against Valencia, I'm all about tactics, yes, but I'm also about sometimes you got to feed the hot hand. And if a guy scores yep. a, a brace plus one, <laughs> if you will, yeah, then you exactly. got to start that guy. And that also makes sense after seeing the best performance that you've seen from Dest maybe this season, then mm-hmm. you've got to start the third guy of that trio that got the both that got the best out of both Obama Yang and Des, and that is Dembele. So I, I think I'm answering my own question, but I would say definitely put it down. I think Dembele starts against Napoli, and that's really my I think only so question. Uh, then the midfield rotation, not much else to worry about. I mean, Pedri was rested. Pedri's going to start, and, it's, and De Jong came off, and Busquets was rested prior to the, mm-hmm. the first match against Napoli. So you're definitely yeah. going to see Pedri, De Jong, and... Busquets, I think you're, Busquets, you're, yeah. you're likely going to see it, which is, again, unfortunate because for Gabi to be left yeah. out potentially, or Gabi will be left wing and Ferran Torres is going to get his rest because I think Ferran Torres is a guy that just deserves a, a minute to get his head again. He does. And I mean, I think one of the things was, and, you know, I watched it at a, I watched that game at a bar here and just like a bunch of locals, right? And there was, you know, there was a lot of, just a lot, a lot of frustration. Mm-hmm. And the, the one thing was it lets him off the hook a little bit because yeah, I mean, look, the, you know, the price tag and this and that and whatever, like you do need to finish some of those, but he was getting to the spots for those chances. So, I mean, that's kind of the, that's the first part of the equation. So yeah, I mean, I, obviously I don't think he's going to get buried on the bench or anything like that, but he needs a day where, the first part of the equation goes as it did against Napoli, mm-hmm. where he sees at least one of those go in mm-hmm. so that he has some kind of a, a foundation to build on. You know, I mean, I think the, I mean, it was, it was fine that he, he got the penalty. I mean, I think the, that at the very least, 
you know, he took that very confidently. And, and I know, I think a lot of the, the worst stuff for him happened after the penalty, but yeah, I think it was just, I imagine I, I can see him coming on as a substitute against Napoli. Mm. I, I, probably, especially if the game is such where it's not, you know, where, where it's tactically prudent to put him on. And I think a little bit of that almost just might be for Chavi to make sure that you don't want to lose this guy, you know, yep. just Can't lose him not, you know, how a few weeks after his arrival, you don't, you don't want this guy going into the tank, you know, two months in. Yep. Yeah. So we're going to keep talking about Ferran Torres. Certainly. I think that is like one of the big things, but yeah, La Bolsa was fun. We did it. So I think we yeah. got to call our brokers and figure some things out, but we'll see how it all changes against Napoli. Cause that's how it works. Always uh, all this stock we might have to sell and Hey, a victory against Napoli is going to mean that this Barca is a consistent for the first time. Yeah. I mean, if they get a result against Napoli, I'm going to say that Barca have captured consistency for the first time this season. So We'll yeah. see what happens. We'll have to see what happens. Let's put it that way. But that'll wrap up another edition of the show. That's Emil Evanesian. Find him on Twitter. Then we're on Twitter and Instagram at the Barcelona Pod. Uh, Hilton D13 for me. Close Facebook group, the Barcelona Podcast. Answer the questions. I'll let you in. Patreon. That is where you basically get this stuff without the ads. Plus, uh, I, I make sure the YouTube stuff is in there. You're kept updated to what's going on. And then we're on YouTube, too, with the match reviews at the Barcelona Podcast and some other special stuff, including finance breakdowns, transfers, da 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 I do a lot more over there on that. So, most importantly, though, thanks for listening to the Barcelona Podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon on Forza Barca. Forza Barca. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.